Thank you for joining us. This is episode 37 of Amateur 3D Podcast, a podcast by amateur printers for amateur printers, where we share our thoughts and experience. Our, per, uh, our panelists this week are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Andy Cottom, Kevin Buckner, and Chris decided to take a personal day today. Um, we also decided, without him, I guess, that we're going to change things up a little bit and let everybody know what we're not going to talk about first thing <laughs> instead of at the end of the podcast. <laughs> so our topic this week is printed tools. Again. Yeah, I don't know how that yeah. came back up on the list, but uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of things to talk about there. So that works. Yeah, and maybe it just keeps coming up because we come up with more stuff to try printing on the 3D printer. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I like last time, I'm not really going to have anything to say about printed tools because I don't do that. Fair. <laughs> That said, maybe we should start with you, Kev, just so that, you know, if you feel like you're wasting your time, you can leave and me and Andy can ruminate on all of the stuff that we could or should or would not print on our printers for the rest of the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I've been doing, I haven't really done much this week because um, I'm in a community choir and we had our performance uh, this week. But what I did do is um, I printed up the uh, the a couple of what I'm planning on using as the black bishops for my nightmare chess set. Um, and they're, they're kind of horrific looking, kind of hard to describe. They've got lots of arms and um, <laughs> just like gaunt and sometimes skeletal features. Um, but they've got kind of a tall, funny hat. So I figured they look, they would make nice bishops. So that's what I'm using for that. And that's, that's all cool. I've done this week. I guess that works. That's cool. You're going to have to share uh, pictures when you get them done or, yes. you know, images Definitely. from your slicer so that we have an idea. I wouldn't want to see the images from my slicer, though, because that would that would just like they're just cross sections. Well, you know, before you slice it. Ah, uh, sure. Because, yeah. Uh, anyway. I'll, I'll post photographs. <laughs> I still need to post photo, photos of the uh, the king that I'm using. True. Yeah, I haven't seen any pictures of that yet. I know the, the queen one you shared turned out looking really neat. Yeah. That's yeah, going to be a neat chess set. Um, That does bring up one question. Are you going to use different characters for black and white? Yes. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a, a double set instead of just different color prints. Right. That is going to be cool. I will. Well, very interested in that. Yeah. And all dark themed twos right up your alley there with Yep. Vampire bat kind of monster Phil. That's cool. <laughs> that is. So uh you work on anything this week, Andy? Yeah, I, I did a, a couple of things. Um so my since my last podcast here, my dryer broke and that left me with uh again not very good access. Well that was with the flat tire. But um you know when I got it all put back together, it fired up and it was working really well. Um, I put a load in the washing machine and, and pushed that through, made it to the dryer, started doing laundry. And before I got two, I got two loads in through the washing machine before my washing machine then broke, wouldn't drain water. And, uh, so it was kind of a, it was kind of a crappy situation to have, you know, the dryer break. And then suddenly the washing machine having problems as well within you know, two loads of laundry of each <laughs> other. Yeah, no kidding. But, um, 
and they're not they're not brand new either but they're not old i think i've got maybe five years on them and already starting to have problems however i see how it is i move out and you replace all the stuff well yeah i didn't have to worry about you screwing stuff up anymore it's great (laughs) (laughs) fair ah just kidding um but uh but you know one thing that's really neat is getting into appliances like that to repair them they're they really feel like they're designed to be repaired. Their design has got that in mind. And it's it's wonderful taking it apart to get into them to do a project because they're time consuming. There's a lot you got to take apart. And there's just so much you stumble across in the design of the unit that was is there for you to take it apart. Huh. I mean, I love little things like finding stickers on the inside of the wiring diagrams or or things like, you know, when I go to lift this face into place, it's actually got a hook to hold the face into place while you get the screws in it. You know, little just things like that that are just wonderful. There's a hole through the face so you can fit a screwdriver through to unscrew something on the other side. You know, just little little things like that. It, it, from someone who really likes to design stuff, seeing, you know, something well thought out like that. And, and it, it's making it a pleasure to get into it. And all it what really the problem was was just the water pump. The impeller had broken loose from the water pump. And when I was digging into it, I thought this might actually be something I could 3D print my way out of. If the impeller just broke, I could maybe you know maybe uh, re- reprint a, a new impeller for the motor because the motor was still running. It just you know it when the motor kicks on, when the pump kicks on, it just sounds like a motor running without a load. And mm-hmm. so that's that's all I had, and there was no draining involved. Um, so I figured that and was it's the not problem. like it takes a lot of volume to move either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but when it, I got it usually just it. pushes through that one inch hose to get out, right? Yep, that's true. Yeah, so it doesn't need a whole lot. And the impeller is really simple. It's far simpler than the ones I was showing you guys for the fish tank impellers I was doing here. But okay. uh, took it apart, and it's a little bit well. It's a little bit of a different design. And on top of it, parts were cheap. A whole brand new pump for that thing was twenty three dollars. So I that's went ahead and just. Yeah, I went ahead and just bought a new pump for it so I can not have it affect my laundry cycle and I can just go in and replace it. But I've got the old pump that I want to completely remove the impeller and see why it's disconnected on the inside and see if I can't repair it. So I've got a spare because there's nothing wrong with the motor itself. But mm-hmm. that might that might be a 3D printing project down the road there or something that just involves a little bit of glue or something. So it might not be 3D printing related, but we'll see when I go to dig into it. And you've got the super um, neat plastic glue if you want to yeah. use that to fix it. Well, the, the glue that I use for the plastics is, um, it's a cement. It's acrylic cement. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I absolutely love it. It is a little, like it's like 80 to 90% as strong as AC glue or PC glue, uh, super glue, right? I think it's okay, PC yeah. glue. So it's a, not quite as strong. But it seems to work on almost anything. You know, sometimes you go to super glue something and it just doesn't stick. You know, so it yeah. just pops right off and it's an instant failure. It because doesn't seem to suffer from any of those problems. Super glue to be effective needs to have almost nothing between the two parts. Yeah. And if there's like extra glue and it's filling a gap or something, it's just never going to dry. Yeah. And yeah. That's what I hate about it. Yeah. So th- this stuff does that, and it's a little bit more viscous, which I like. So you can put it, and it stays where you put it. Um, it's it's ch- it's cheaper. You could buy it in bigger bulk 
than you can AC glue. And it the stuff doesn't seem to dry out on its own. And one thing I love about it is it, it, as soon as you squeeze it out of the tube, it's tacky in about 30 seconds. Okay. And about two minutes or so, it is quite stiff, but you can still move it and make adjustments if you need. But after about five minutes, it's set for the most part and cures in 24 hours. So okay. it's been a great glue to use. I love it. In fact, the the, the piece that I made um, this last week, I, I designed it last week. It's a... Um, my fish tank's been getting too warm since it's been summertime. And taking the lid off lets it cool down enough. But having the lid off the fish tank, I, I don't like the feeling of that. So I decided to put a, just a small PC fan into the lid. And I've got these big openings in my lid for where the old filters used to go that I don't use. So I thought I would build a, a fan housing that would clamp onto the side of the tank that would fit into that hole perfectly. And uh, so I, I did that, made it out of two pieces so that I can print without supports and made it so it clamps onto the tank itself so I can still remove the lid without, you know, having anything attached. And uh, now all I got to do is wire the thing up and uh, then I'll be done. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to use a 5-volt, like, USB charger or a 12-volt power supply. I'm using a 12-volt PC fan to do it, a little 80 millimeter that I've right. got. And I'm actually doing it for both my tanks, even though my... Other tank doesn't suffer from the heating problem. It may later on. So I figure I'll just go ahead and make it for both. But, uh, right. you know, a lot of those 12-volt fans works beautifully off a of lower voltage. And it's not like I'm trying to blow air into the tank. I'm just trying to move the air off of the surface. Mm -hmm. And running it at a lower RPMs and things might work fine. But these are the same fans I use on my printer, uh, my printer's cooling system or the Peltier cooling system. Uh, right. The same fans there and running off of uh, 12 volts or in those cases, it's split 24 because it's two 12 volt fans series together mm -hmm. and it runs off the 24 supply from the printer. So I'll have to put these on 12 volts and see if they're the same, which they should be. And if that's the case, that's more air movement than I need. So this whole system, I might wind up making just USB and just running it off of a five volt USB charger. So that'll work. But. The prints came out really good. Um, now they I look real smooth from here, like real yeah. shiny. So, yeah, yeah they, they turn out really nice. Um, the uh, one thing I did learn, though, is I have been preaching hairspray for the longest time, and I use Walmart's Rave Four hairspray, mm -hmm. and because it's got the nylon in it. Now I got the whole idea to use to try hairspray from another podcast. Um, I think it's 3D printing today from back in the day. Anyway, they were recommending um, Aqua Aquanet for hairspray. Okay. And uh, when I went to go buy hairspray for the first time, I just used Ray 4 for my hair. So I just tried that and it worked well. And so I always made the assumption that Aquanet worked just as good as my Ray 4 did. And a while back, I had bought some and used it. And, uh, I didn't really like it too much. It's got more hydrocarbons. I think the propellant is a hydrocarbon-based propellant because whenever I use it in my laundry room, my hydrocarbons alarm goes off because it's a laundry room. I got the furnace and stuff in there, so I got mm -hmm. you know, a leak detector for that. But it'll right. set it off if I use if I if I heat up the bed so it evaporates quickly. It'll it'll set that off when my Rave Four never did. Uh, and I thought that was the only problem. I didn't really like using it, but no big deal. Um, 
before I printed this, I wound up cleaning my bed because I, when I put the washing and dryer machine back, I cleaned everything up good. And that meant cleaning up my printer too. So I, I had stripped the bed and I went to go re uh, put hairspray on the bed for the next run. And I figured I'd use the rest of the Aquanet I've got. And so I sprayed some on it and I might as well have not had anything on there at all. In fact, it worked so terribly that I wound up cleaning the bed off again uh, to get it all off and just using the Ray 4, which it worked perfectly with the Ray 4. So uh, I don't know. Aquanet apparently is not something I will be buying again because it burn it to the ground. Yeah, I threw away almost a full can of it because it's just it's garbage to me. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. So if anybody actually took my advice when I was mentioning Ray 4, I apologize for my assumption there. I made an ass out of myself. And no, Ray 4 does, at least in my experience, does not work as good. Or Aquanet does not work as good as Ray 4 at all. Hmm. But uh, but no, these. Once so I got any that problem, suggestion it, that you, because you said Ray 4 as your suggestion, what you're not suggesting, suggesting is the Aquanet. Yes. Okay. It makes me feel good that you stumbled during your correction of my yeah, but yeah, but yeah. because <laughs> I know good words. I promise. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you tried the Aquanet and we're just, Andy doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. It's because Andy didn't know what the heck he was talking about. Give the Ray four a shot. I think you'll be more impressed. At some but, point um, it feels like a cough out, but this is called amateur 3d podcast for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. But I shouldn't have been preaching something I didn't have firsthand experience on. So lesson learned for me. And I think uh, an apology is, is owed for that. Um, but, uh, but you no, should Force, feel but, bad. No, <laughs> but I got to get this thing wired up and I'm hopefully we'll do that today and um, have it working for these guys so that I can put their lid back on their tank. Cause they hate the lid being off. Cause they associate that with me digging in there to clean up the tank. And uh, they don't like that. So having the lid off stresses them out a little bit. So I guess I hadn't really thought the fish would have anxiety over certain environmental things. Oh, my God. That's the thing that seems to kill these tropical fish the most is stress. Most of the uh. treatments I have for my fish are for their stress levels. <laughs> seems to be what causes all the diseases and stuff like that. But. Uh, but yeah, so that's that project. I think that's the only thing I really worked on this whole time. Huh. It's been kind of a slower week, you know, dealing with the washing machine breaking immediately after the dryer broke. Yeah, but, uh, I, I can see how that would be irritating, Yeah, frustrating. Yeah, but, you know, it worked out pretty good. So oh, good. That, that, that's my project that I'm in the middle of, but I got that printed out and working good. I'm, I'm looking a little bit more into an SLA printer. I haven't really asked the wife yet if I could get one. <laughs> Don't know where I will put it. I've got the entire top of a dryer that I could use. Is that enough room to be able to, to run an SLA printer, Kev, as well as your curing station? Um, pro probably. Three foot square, about. Yeah. One meter for the uh for the non-Americans. <laughs> Give or take. Yeah, you probably don't need as much space between the printer and the curing station as I have on on my setup. So yeah, that that should probably be fine. Okay. That sounds good. 
And I think I was kind of leaning towards the uh, Saturn II is kind of what I was looking at a little bit here and there. It's um, not quite a, a, a newbie one. It seems to be a little bit more mid-grade printer. Yeah. It's got the 4K screen. It's got a little bit of a bigger bed uh, from what I understand. But um, it's got a lot of great reviews. I think it was like 350 bucks. So nice. kind of looking into that, just kind of experimenting. It's going to be like a week or two before I actually drop the ball and, and make that purchase. But I'm quite jealous of Kevin's capabilities here and want to expand on my own. But at the same time, too, I really also want to get a small CNC machine that I can use for aluminum. So I don't know which one will come first. There's a lot of wants and very little plans to do anything. So we'll see what happens. And just in case any of our listeners decide to do their own research on these things and buy something on Andy's recommendation, let them know that you heard about them from us and say, hey, you should sponsor those guys. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) Because we're not going to go looking for like Harry's or something. I'm not going to shave my beard off. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, me neither. So, but, uh, but yeah, that's all I've done. What about you, Frank? You been up to anything? Um, well, I've been fighting the uh, mid print delamination and under extrusion oh. issue. Okay, J- just under extrusion is ugly when you're trying to do something as a gift, in my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I. Decided that what I wanted to do was try fresh eyes on the statues that I've been trying to print for my brother for his birthday. And my wife asked me to make her some Deathly Hallows bookends. Oh, that's cool. And uh, the last time I did bookends, the plastic wasn't heavy enough to actually hold books up. And I didn't print them with the little tab that goes under the book. So I talked with her about it, and we decided that doing the wooden bookends with just the printed part in the uh, the opening of the bookend would okay. work. And then I can, you know, do the wood and stain it and have it look real, uh, real good and all that and just have the, uh, the support be the Deathly Hallows. And in the process of printing off a, uh, a test for that, I ended up with a glob again. Oh, no. I don't like globs. Yeah, so damage. I decided to be a little more thorough than I did the last time and was, had the heat block on and was feeling around with my dental pick, and it sparked. Uh-oh. Oh. And so I just shut it down. <laughs> it was midnight, 1 o'clock. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to deal with this right now. So I shut it down. And actually disassembled stuff, and I didn't cause. I think that what I must have done with my dental pick is gone through a wire and bridged that way. It wasn't okay. like a major amount of. It was a single spark, but uh, so I, I don't. I don't even see a hole from where the pick went through anything. So okay, that's good. It's not like the insulation was compromising in some major way, and the wires are touching. So. I think they use pretty beefy MOSFETs to drive the heaters anyway, so it probably yeah. could have handled a little bit of, of uh, abuse. A shorting somewhere. Anyway, I didn't see any major damage, so I just pulled out whatever plastic. I, I didn't have to disassemble the whole thing. I knew better what I was looking for. So I was able to get all the plastic out of the underside of the carriage and 
ran off a print of Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. Um, this one is kind of more like a chibi statue, if you know the Japanese chibis. Um, and it actually looks a little bit like Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, but it's okay. definitely toothless. It's weird. Anyway, so I printed <laughs> one of those off. And because I hadn't changed any of my settings from the Deathly Hallows, I ended up printing him solid. Oh, no. <laughs> Luckily, he was only 30 millimeters tall. Okay. It was a lot of plastic, a lot more than I would have normally printed with. But, you know, when, when it's a, a gift for your wife and she's got a bunch of little things, an extra heavy little piece is not going to ruin anything. So, uh, so I gave that to my wife and then I ran another print of my brother's see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil frogs. Okay. And there is almost no under extrusion. Like the one oh, or two great. places is easy to work with for me. So I got that project done. And my next project is to redo my key holder, which fell off of the wall. Um, I, the one that I talked about many months yeah. ago now. And I'm going to... Um, do a holder for the guards for my clippers. Okay. Because they're just loose inside of the bag and it's painful for me. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to sort and rearrange. So I'm just going to create a holder for them all and base it off of the head of the clippers so that they actually clip into the thing and okay. um, see how that goes. I think it'll be fun. Well, that'll work. And I'm glad to hear that it sounds like some of your under extrusion issues might be resolving themselves. Yeah, like uh, uh, cleaning the heat block three times in a row with almost no prints in between must have done something. <laughs> could have been, could have been. Uh, did know. you did you at any point ever measure to see how much plastic it's using to see if uh, your not that your steps would be wrong, but that you're extruding as much plastic as you think you're extruding? Um, I have not done that test. It's a good one to identify if you're having a, a hardware issue or a software mm -hmm. issue. Um, a lot that, of that issue is kind of the drawback to temperature adhesion in my mind. Because if it doesn't stick or if it comes loose, it's not going to re-stick. And then it's just going to drag the part around while it's extruding. Yeah. And that's what's been happening, I'm pretty sure. So it's not oh. It's not that the head is over-extruding, it's that it's dragging a part that is not sticking to the build plate. Oh, no, I mean with your under-extruding problem. Oh. Uh, no, with that issue, I have just been slowly, you know, one or two percent at a time between prints, increasing my flow okay. until they're in a manageable uh, position. Okay. Okay. It's it's pretty easy if you ever if you ever wanted to. Um Yeah, I I have watched a few videos and from the point where after you measure it, they're still mm -hmm. saying and then adjust from there. I'm to the point where I'm at adjust from there anyway to oh, okay. fine tune it. So I'm not as concerned about the initial measurement. Gotcha. Okay. Well whatever works. That's good. And, and I am a stubborn SOB, and I refuse to let a piece of plastic get the best of me. So 
<laughs> You're in the long, the wrong line of uh, of interests here. <laughs> I will contend until I win. Damn it! Um, yeah, I only wasted a quarter spool in the last two weeks on these issues. So that's actually not too bad, figuring the level of problems you have had. Yeah, it, it's been a lot of small prints for the most part, too, though. So. That's where the balance is, right? When you're not confident in your print, you print small stuff until you figure it out. Yep, Instead of yep, going for the epic big stuff. That is very true. It makes turnaround a little bit easier anyway. <laughs> Gives you time to do those little simple adjustments and things. Yeah, agreed. But uh, but yeah, yeah, that's good that that's working out. And I haven't printed any tools. You know, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've printed tools. Um, well, no, I guess last week I printed a, another three, two, one block. That's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. That very much is printed. it solid. It does better as a three, two, one block when it's solid. Yeah. <laughs> True. I made a, um, a gator bite release tool a couple okay. of weeks ago. Gator bite I couldn't, release. couldn't find me. Yeah. Just like a half C shaped washer that's like i think i made mine like 15 20 millimeters thick okay c-shape the size of the pipe and you just clip it over the c and then you can push the piece of plastic into the gator bite to release it oh for like uh those fittings that i had never seen before for the pvc where you get the two things that you can put them together and they got the special tool to release them yep yep that's exactly it and the, the ones i did were for copper but the not Chinese finger traps for piping. Yeah. Yeah. The ones you're never supposed to use. And for everybody saying, well, that's definitely Andy not knowing what he's doing. Yeah, they're absolutely right. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to sweat a proper pipe fitting back then. So I used gator bites and as they fail, which I actually haven't had any fail as they make me worry, I swap them out for, you know, just properly soldering them in place. So hmm got to be able to get them off in order to do that and i it lost my key a long time ago so i just made one real quick you mean you don't want to spend 20 bucks at the hardware store to get a new one yeah or or sit there and try to do it with like a pair of pliers or something like i'm sure there's people out there you just pop it really quick and get it off but i am not one of those people i'll sit there and just fight and struggle with it so just making the pretty close to the identical tool piece of plastic that you know, you get when you buy those is all it took and hmm. was able to get it off and, you know, sweat the pipe properly and get a proper soldered fitting on it. But, and I did maybe, a lot of piping may, back then. Maybe a use a, a soda can like you do with, uh, when you're compromising a, a dial, uh, padlock. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, it's the same idea, right? Uh, no, no, not really. It's more about pushing the release ring with equal pressure all the way around at the same time to get it to release on those. So instead uh, of coming, overcoming the one ball, you're overcoming all of the releases. Yeah. It, it's almost like if you imagined, let's say your padlock um, idea, let's say you would, you would put your, your bypasser in place, but then you were having a hard time pushing the bypasser in. Mm -hmm. And so you made another tool to push the, 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 the bypasser into the lock to disengage it. Okay. So it's like it's already got that piece built into the fitting. You mm -hmm. just got to be able to push it down. 
but since it's grabbing all the way around the pipe, you have to push it down equally on all sides all at the same time yeah. with about the same amount of pressure. So there's a nice little tool to be able to, to do it all at once that they make. Japanese finger trap. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, looking at those two and reverse, resisting the urge to put your finger in one of those fittings. It does occur to me to wonder, I think I heard somewhere that the Japanese actually have nothing to do with those things and they just get blamed for it. I wouldn't be surprised. We've done that with so much things. I mean, don't even look at what we call, you know, different uh, foods from different countries <laughs> as if it actually ever <laughs> came from that country. American Japanese food versus traditional Japanese food or yeah. Thai food or. <laughs> yeah. And I like our Americanized stuff. I'll take a, that, you know, what we call you know, Hispanic food or, you know, that all day long over the real stuff. Unfortunately, I'd rather have the Americanized stuff most of the time. So uh, I don't know. I think traditional Thai food is very good. To oh, I'm not saying it's too. not, but yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I don't like the American rendition of it. Oh, as much. And that's what I'm saying is I do still enjoy the American rendition. Well, then you're a true American and I'm apparently not. <laughs> Well, without Chris here, we uh, managed to get through these topics and ideas real quick. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, if if Chris may have been the one to put the topic in place too, because he does do a lot of a lot of things. Idea generation. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, he does. He definitely keeps the conversation going. We'll have to pester him on that one. There's a lot of neat tools that I think would be fun to design that used multi materials like printing a pair of pliers that uses, you know, the pliers itself is, you know, made out of nylon or PC or something, you know, hard like that, a PETG, and then, you know, make the joint in between them out of TPU to make, to construct the hinge out of little things like that are kind of cool. Like a living always, hinge? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've seen those. That's from multi-material prints when you've got the, you know, when you're running like an IDEX machine or something like that to be able to print them. You know, to print the joint right into the part all in hmm. one go. Yeah. Which I think that'd be an interesting thing to be able to move to print-wise. I mean, all of us only run single extruder printers. So none yeah. of us have really gotten into multi-material at all to be able to see its perks. But When I get to the point where I do replace my printer, I think I'm going to look much closer at something that does at least two filaments. I agree. I agree. At least to have the option there. Right now, right. I don't think it's worth purchasing a brand new printer to do multi-material. Well, but, no, uh, but I'll, I'll definitely not be doing that for a while. I just, you know, when I get to that point. Yeah. It's like it, buying it's hard- a new car. You buy the new car and then you start daydreaming about the next car, even though you've got another 10 years until it falls apart. Yeah. And with these printers, they're so easy to fix. It's like, I don't know how long mine's actually going to last me. Probably keep it for a long time. Just replacing things that break on it your printer barely resembles the one that you bought in the first place (laughs) (laughs) that is true that is true but i haven't i haven't made any any change the last change i made on it was switching over to the h2 extruder package so i can have the really tiny extruder Hmm. but uh oh i didn't tell you my dad has been talking about getting a new printer and he's like, and I just, I don't like the direct drive. I want to do the Bowden. And I'm sitting here going, what? 
Okay. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but we're also talking about the... He's, did 40 years as a machinist. You know, he's got his ideas and he knows how to do stuff, but yeah, he compromised his machine. He didn't like how it was doing temperatures. So he put a, a manual dial on there to manually do the temperature. And then it wasn't getting up to temperature and he couldn't figure out why. <laughs> and so I got him through that issue and he just hasn't done anything with his printer since then. And mm. I keep telling him, well, give it to me. I'll work on that old, thing and try to get it <laughs> yeah get it try going. to figure it out because it's the older technology i i have no problem with playing with the hard way to do prints yeah right just to learn right yeah yeah and if i get it up and running i've got a second printer even if the bed is half as big as my current one then mm -hmm. i can do fun stuff that way yeah that's true yeah might feel interested in something like a Delta printer or something, get something clear out of the ordinary if you're going to stick with a second FDM printer, you know. Wow. If if I'm going to invest money, that's a whole nother thing. If someone's going to give me a printer, I'm just going to take what they're offering. <laughs> true. Very true. Which uh, makes sense. What? I mean, I'm suddenly reminded of the uh, idiom that you shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth. Right. And my, my response to that is why not? <laughs> if I'm going to be feeding the thing, I'm going to make sure it can eat what I'm feeding it. Right. Yeah. My dad's printer, at the very least, I have a clue as to what's wrong so I can fix it, but I'm not going to take just anything and put money into fixing it. You know? Yeah. No, you're right. If someone is going to give you a horse, that's a hell of a gift. There's probably something wrong with it. <laughs> you you would want to make sure a, a horse is healthy. So yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that the person who came up with that idiom is somebody who was giving sickly horses away and getting offended when people <laughs> were looking at them and saying, "Now, how long is this horse going to last?" Yeah. <laughs> Should I invest <laughs> in food that it can't eat? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I keep on trying to go back to tools and what kind of tools I've made. I don't print a lot of tools. Yeah, it, it must have been Chris's subject. Maybe we should have looked at that a little closer before we <laughs> started today. Yeah, it's all good. Or you know, like I said, it, it's a topic that we're not going to talk about. So we're we're going to spend, I guess, now fifteen or twenty minutes talking about how we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> that works that works too i mean makes for great listening just like everything else we do hey you know what <laughs> actually you know might as well just go back and uh talk about the thousand listens we just crossed yeah. that line we got a thousand people that have listened to us ram or a thousand times someone has listened to us ramble for at least an hour we wasted a thousand hours of humanity yes our plan to conquer the world is slowly coming to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is the bit where we've got 28 subscribers, or 24, sorry, 24 subscribers. And if we discount my wife, who I think is still subscribed, she hasn't said she isn't, but you know, she may just be avoiding hurting my feelings. And the <laughs> other, let's assume, three people that 
our friends and family, that means that there's 20 people subscribed to us that we don't know. Well, I'm a subscriber. Okay, so you're one of the four. On Spotify? Are you a oh, subscriber no, no, no. on Spotify? No, okay. I'm, a, I'm subscribed through Google Podcasts. I don't yeah. think that they share their metrics with Spotify. So Okay, so it's 20. 20- and I'm the Podcast Republic guy. So it's 24 yeah. subscribers through Spotify. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But just in that yeah, just in that one realm, that's kind of cool. Yeah. 20 people who like to listen to us not talk about our topics. <laughs> well, that's good. That's worth it to well, me. It's not like we do this for anything more than just the opportunity to hang out anyhow. So Well, um, yeah, we need that excuse because the game night wasn't working. I thought it was fine. Yeah, until Andy decided that he needed to work, and none right. of us got together after he left. Really? Did it end that quick? Yeah. Well, it also somebody was was saying that the game we were playing was getting boring or something weird like that. And I was fine with it. You know, it's I was treating it more like I do with poker. It's like I, the purpose of it is to hang out and have something to do while you're hanging out and chatting with each other. Yeah. I, I do. If I remember right, Andy was feeling that among us was a little violent. No, that wasn't me. Friendly conversation. No, that wasn't me. <laughs> maybe it was Chris or maybe it was Chris's wife. I could see it being Chris. I would, wife. I would accept that being Chris's wife too. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, fun met and lots of stuff that I'm going to have to cut out. Maybe. Does anybody have like, anything else that they want to say? God, I wish uh, I did. I would love to talk more about this, but the tools issue is just not something I do a lot of printing of. Not even like shims and things. Yeah. I did make a shim for my dishwasher so that the locking mechanism would work properly. Hey, that's a good idea. I mean, so, you know, we, we talked about that leveling isn't actually making it level per se, yeah. just making it so that the entire build plate is equidistant from the nozzle or well with my resin printer, the, the table I've got it on um, the, the table top is pressed wood and it had spent some time in a rather moist environment. So it's warped and I need, I, the intention when I first brought it in and said, this is going to be my uh, uh, printing area was that I was eventually going to get, some actually not warped wood to replace the top with. And that just hasn't happened. And I've thought I need shims to actually hold this thing level because uh, you do want it to be level with when you're working with resin, because okay. if, it, if the resin level gets low on one then side, it's not going to be an even print. Yeah. You, you want it to be the resin level to be equal throughout the whole thing, just to make it so that you don't like, run out of resin on one side and have that whole part of the print missing. I've actually, I did that one time uh, with the altar that I printed up for um, gods of metal Ragnarok. And yeah. And it, you could see on the print where it kind of failed because the, the printer itself is not completely level and uh, one side ran out of resin before the other. And it was, it just looked bad so i need printing shims though that's a good idea because i've been thinking i need shims for this i've been trying to use like the user manual for the printer and um (laughs) and the paper funnels and stuff and but they they keep getting flattened too much 
Oh. Yeah, that would work. You could print like a, a bottom to the printer. Yeah. That conforms to the table, uh, however bumpy the table is or whatnot. And then it makes the top of the table completely level for the printer to sit on. I keep thinking about dials and screws too. Kind of like how oh, the FDM. making it adjustable. Mm. Yeah. Um, that also kind of explains the confusion going from SLA to FDM. Yeah. Oh, because there's actually leveling involved. In you're actually SLA. leveling it to the earth when it's an SLA printer. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, well, I mean, you, you have to, you, when you level the build plate, you actually do make it level to the screen. Sure. The same and, way with and the nozzle. Th- that's not as finely tuned, though, as it is with an FDM, because yours, you just got the one ball joint, you loosen it or tighten it, right? So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we tram, and you just, you know, you eyeball it. <laughs> well, and, and I, But your machine needs to be level to the earth, and our machine right. can be sideways as long as it's trammed correctly. So, exactly, but I do also tram a bit, but I tram and level. Mm. <laughs> Makes sense. I've always wondered how much more of an angle I could get on my FDM printer if I cocked the whole printer up on the side. You know what? You can 3D print some tools and figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. I well, like there's... those extreme angles. but I don't know if the Kickstarter is still active or not, but I've seen it advertised just so much on Facebook. The uh, The one that is saying, yeah, it's an FDM printer that prints upside down. And yeah. they, ins- they insist that it works. And everything I've read about it is that it they don't have a working prototype and that the, the prototype they do have actually doesn't do as good of quality as they have. I've talked about it before. It's the one that claims they can make a, a 3d model out of a, a single 2d photograph. Yeah. A lot of claim I'm, I'm purposely avoiding um, mentioning the brand name here because so I don't that, want so that we don't send people their way. Well, there's there's that, but also so that in the off chance anybody involved in that project hears anything about it, they can't come after me for slander. Ah, uh, yeah, we don't want that either. I mean, that's not to say that I haven't done my share of slandering them on their advertisements. Because <laughs> I've made comments on, and maybe that's why I keep seeing it, is because I've commented on it before. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like this I, do. Is, I was like, what? This is a bad idea. Why are we printing FDM upside down? What is the benefit? And they said, well, by housing the all the the extruder and the nozzle and everything underneath, it put most of the parts that would normally be moving in a stationary thing, so it reduces vibration and makes it quieter. And I'm like, okay, but what happens when you have adhesion issues? Because you're 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 going to have adhesion issues at some point, and anybody yeah, that buys that work. printer is going to have more blobs than I do. Yeah. Oh man, can you imagine having um, having a spaghetti print on a printer like that? I mean, we have right. a spaghetti print. It's annoying. I mean, unless you get a glob like you do, Frank. But you know, right. generally spaghetti prints are a non-event. It's a oh, I need better bed adhesion here or something. You know, uh-huh. but. Uh, but if your printer was upside down, God, that would be such a mess. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Pass. pass. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All yeah. right. 
<laughs> I just keep but. thinking of this other printer that I saw that has a sideways or uh, horizontal gantry. Oh, instead really? of a vertical one. And it uses like a scissor lift to move the gantry up and down. And okay. then the carriage moves in all three dimensions and the bed plate stays stationary. Hmm. And that was an interesting idea. I can see yeah, using good. something like that, but guess what? It's still oriented with the build plate on the bottom. So yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, I on that would be interesting. I did misremember. It's not their nozzle isn't stationary. It is still a moving nozzle with a stationary bed plate that only moves on the z-axis. But they're like having it lower reduces vibration or something weird like that. Hmm. I could see that, but it would be introducing so many more problems. Yeah. And here we got all this new um, uh, input shaping technology to prevent, you know, those kind of vibrations and things like that on, on gantry systems that kind of turning into a non-issue. It's like right. we're solving a problem, making things worse for a problem that's almost non-existent. Yeah. Got to choose the lesser of two weevils. <laughs> yeah. But you know who's the capital not w. building right. an entire printer, you know, from scratch and and getting it going is the people complaining about it. So what do we know? <laughs> true. True, true. But that you don't have to be building an entire printer from scratch to be able to look at somebody's design and point out the flaws. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's science. That yeah. is rudimentary science right there. I have this great idea. And then every other scientist comes around and goes, nah, that's a bad idea, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, it's great that they tried something unique because who knows? Maybe they would have stumbled across something. But the fact oh, yeah. that they're like turning it into a full blown product, advertising for it and stuff—that's the weird part, right? It's putting the cart down the street from the horse. Yeah, yeah. Or like at the bottom of the hill, leaving the horse up at the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, the horse Maybe is on a completely different hill. <laughs> <laughs> That's All fun. right. Let's be mindful of our own time here and just uh, go do other Saturday projects, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All yeah. right. Hopefully, Chris will be back next time. Keep the presentation right. going better. I said what I did, and I'm going to go back to we said when you missed an episode that you must have been the one that was driving the conversation. But now with Chris gone and us being in the same boat, I think it's really just the dynamic of all four of us because when one person's gone, the whole thing just falls apart. Yeah. To a lesser extent when I'm gone because I don't say much. We <laughs> di we still miss you though. <laughs> I know. Your your I don't want to say snide, your sarcasm mm. is very useful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> your useful sarcasm. Beautiful. All right. All right. We would like to thank everyone for listening to the very end. Does the very, very the end. There it is. <laughs> I'll start it again. No. Uh, <laughs> if you like what you hear, please give us all the stars and subscribe. We are available through a wide variety of podcast vendors and so are easy to share. And I'm going to redo that anyway, just so that we don't have to contend with the airplane that flew right overhead in the middle of the line. Okay. If you like what you hear, please give us all the stars and subscribe. We are available through a wide variety of podcast vendors and so are easy to share. If you have feedback or if you have content requests, please let us know. 
You can find us in our Facebook group, Amateur 3D Pod, or you can email us at panelists at amateur3dpod.com. Our individual, for individual feedback, you can email us at Franklin, Kevin, Andy, or Chris at amateur3dpod.com. The music in this episode was written by Kevin Buckner. OpenAI's Whisper completed the heavy lifting for the transcripts, which you can find linked in the description. Our panelists are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Kevin Buckner, Chris Weber, and Andy Cottom. Until next time, we're going offline. Keep your FEP tight. We printing upside down.